Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome into Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Man, I am already tired. And the Astros have a late game tonight. It's going to be interesting. I hope um, it's a little more on the uneventful side. I'm a little worried about this series. I I never like playing a team when they're really down. Because if any team... If you have anything left in you in terms of team camaraderie and wanting to bounce back and you kind of hit rock bottom, there's normally only one way to go, and that's back up. Now, if you have decided officially or unofficially that you're kind of going to tank it until – you're just trying to limp to the all-star break and then you're going to regroup at the break and then come back and try to play a little better. That could work into the Astros' hand. But um, I don't know. Feel uneasy about this series. Feel pretty good about the A's over the weekend, although they're actually been a better road team than they've been a home team this year. Actually playing pretty well. Um, beat the Blue Jays two out of three. Competed well against the Astros, even though the Astros gave them that game. They should have got swept, but they did win a game. And then actually pitched pretty well in that series on Saturday and Sunday. Not so well on, you know, the. again, I understand the idea of being result-oriented. You know, the the Astros, I thought, got lucky. Like, both of Corey Lee's hits, the first one was only a hit because the infield was playing in. And the second one, with a really good third baseman, is a double play that ends the inning. Now, he's not a really good third baseman, and the ball went off his glove and into left field. But if it, if, if you got a really good third baseman, that's a double play that ends the inning. I'm glad it wasn't. It worked out great, but uh, I think I, I think they actually pitched fairly well that day. They just they're not real good defensively. Um, man, they got guys on their team that just they don't look like major league players, and that that's why you know they got multiple guys in their starting lineup right now. The A's that do not look like major league players, and so. Hopefully the Astros can take advantage of that this weekend. But first, they play the Angels tonight. 838 first pitch. Hopefully I can make it uh, to the end of that game. Well, we will We will see. I will try real hard, put it that way. Um, big game in the National League last night. The Mets and Scherzer beat the Braves. It's one game. Uh, the Braves, you know, still very much in good shape after being down by double digit early on. But if you're the Mets and you've been hearing 
how the Braves are coming and the Braves are going to catch you if they sweep this series and pass you up and blah, 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 then you're a little, you got a little sick of hearing about it. And maybe even some of your own fans are like, uh-oh, we're in trouble here. So to go to Atlanta and win the first game with Scherzer has to feel good. Now, they lose these next two games. That talk's not going to stop. And the talk may not stop anyway. But if they come and get a sweep, which I don't think is going to happen. But if they do, um, would not shock me if the Mets won two out of three. I would be, I'd be pretty surprised if they swept. But it's, um, we'll see how it plays out. But no, it was a good, good game for them. Scherzer, you know, he's a future Hall of Fame pitcher, and he and he pitched like one. A lot of similarities to me between, not identical, but a lot of similarities between how uh, Scherzer pitches and how Verlander pitches. So we'll see how. What goes on in the rest of that series. You know, the Braves haven't been, I think they have as good a lineup on paper as any team in baseball. But they haven't been scoring a ton of runs lately. And, uh, um, and the Mets haven't either. You know, I was, after the, Astros played the Mets four times. I was like impressed with this guy, Guillaume. And he kind of went in a little bit of a slump after I made those comments. But uh, he's done he's done some nice things lately over the weekend. He had a homer last night. He, You know, again, I don't even know. I don't think I ever even heard of that guy before this season. But he's... He looks good. I mean, he doesn't – no, he doesn't look good. You know, he looks on the overweight side. But he um, – he's. I've seen him make some really really nice defensive plays, and I don't consider him a home run hitter. Mostly he's kind of sprayed singles all around the field and find open holes, kind of hit them where they ain't kind of guy. But he hit a home run last night. So just we'll keep an eye on him. All right, it is day two of week, whatever this is, five or six of our Footnote Summer Project. It's NFL week. And after our first time out, I will um, go over a lot of the nominations we had yesterday. And certainly um, the game hotline is open. The game hotline is 706-0111. 706-0111. So... We want to, by the end of the week, come up with a top 10 Saints games. Heartbreaking losses is the theme of the summer. And uh, a top 10 for the NFL. And so we've got, you know, it's only day two, but we got a lot of suggestions yesterday. So great progress. We've got more stories to tell. And again, just because, you know, you think, a game may not finish in the top 10 doesn't mean we don't want to hear about it. If you've got a story, you went to a game and it broke your heart that day for whatever reason, the memories and the nostalgia, that's what this is all about. So does it matter if it ends up in the top 10 or not? We're certainly going to discuss several games. In the high school, we discussed 20 or 30 games, 30-something 30, 30 games that didn't get in the top 10 but still was worth 
discussing. So uh, don't hesitate. And again, the game hotline is 706-0111. So I don't often do this, but the poll question of the day is about Lamar Jackson. And a lot of people, including Ryan Clark, were not happy with a poll, that a top 10 quarterback poll that was discussed on ESPN earlier this week. So, of course, you know my first thought. These polls are silly. And because, and, and I say they're silly because so much of it has to do with what you have around you. Like Josh Allen, I was high, you know, when the when the Josh Allen draft came out, people said, which one of these quarterbacks would you take? Uh, I said, uh, of all of them, I, Josh Allen impresses me the most in terms of he's big, he's, he's physical, he's got speed, he's got arm strength, and he didn't come from a college where he had all this talent around him. Now, initially, that was a negative because he wasn't a refined quarterback and his accuracy wasn't quite there yet as a rookie. He's gotten better, and, I mean, I don't think there's any question he's the best quarterback in that group. Now, but if Josh Allen played for the Chicago Bears, the national media would be hammering him if he played for the Chicago Bears because they're not good. He doesn't have talent around him. So much of it, I try to remind myself and anyone listening, is about what you have around them in the system you're in. Especially if you're a young quarterback, and and you you are you've you've had bad coaches. Your teammates are either not good or they're always hurt, and you have different coordinators every year. It's very difficult to be a good quarterback in the NFL when you don't have a lot around you. It's just common sense, and yet none of us can. So many of the QWs in this country, they just can't get to that point, that they don't understand that it's a team game. Now, Lamar Jackson is just, he's in a different category. He just is. The reason why a lot of people are not going to want him are not going to rank him highly is because he's a quarterback in a totally different category. He would not fit in a lot of systems. Um, like, just as an example, there are college programs all over the country, especially now in, a, in this passing seven-on-seven seven era of college football, that are elite dual threat quarterbacks but the coaches are going to be apprehensive to put that dual threat quarterback in as a starter because they have to one revamp their entire offense and two how do you recruit receivers in today's seven on seven if you have a running quarterback and so it's it's just different and it's not for most people. 
it works perfectly for the Ravens. He certainly, he's a top five quarterback for the Ravens. That's all that matters. He's not playing for anybody else. He's playing for the Ravens. They have jumped in head first. They adopt that new system. They revamped everything, and it works for them. And it's it's not fun to play against. I have no desire to play against the Ravens. But if you're going to rank an individual, he's not going to fit into a lot of other offenses. So they're not going to rank him higher. So that means nothing. It means nothing. People get all upset about it, but it means nothing. It's all about how does the quarterback, what kind of talent does he have around him? How does he fit into your offense? Now, his whole contract situation is a totally different deal. I mean, I don't, you know, he doesn't have an agent. He represents himself, and that's going to, you know, that's a whole, that's a fascinating scenario. I don't know how that's going to work out. But again, there's not very many teams that he could be a top 10 quarterback for, but he is for the team that he plays for. That's all that matters. All right, let's go to the game hotline. Hello. Kevin, it's Joey. How are you, sir? I'm well. Been racking my brain on these heartbreaking losses, and now you got me categorizing it. It's like a game like the Giants Saints with the phantom holding call that we lost ten to nine. Oh, that was uh, wouldn't necessarily be a heartbreak because you'd be angry about it, right? Or, or does that one count? Oh, I, I was. I mean, again, that yeah. that just depends on how you interpret heartbreak. Uh, but no, that one there was. There still three was or angry. four games left in the season, but that loss actually cost them a playoff spot. And I kind of give more weight to games that I was in attendance of, but that was one that I was more mad than heartbreaking. Because how do you get a holding call on a dive? You know, and they make that first down, the ball game's over. Yes, they're but running anyway, out the clock. A definite top three for you, Kevin. December nineteen eighty three, in the dome, the Rams beat us twenty six twenty four. Did not score an offensive touchdown. They had like two interception returns for a touchdown, a punt return for a touchdown, and a safety. And their kicker, I think it was Lamsford or Langsford at the time, kicked the game-winning field goal to knock the Saints out of the playoffs. That was Bum Phillips. You 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 getting old, Joey? Dude, that one hurt. That one. I was, again, if I was in the dome, they tend to hurt more when you're there. Uh, that's why I actually would rank it ahead of the Minneapolis Miracle and even the San Francisco loss in the playoffs in, what, 2011. But that one was was brutal. And if I'm not mistaken, that would have been our first year in the playoffs. Well, and, it was uh, the first. I don't first, know if you were you in know, the Dome or not. I, I was a freshman I was not, in college. I was not in the Dome. Uh, uh, a sophomore in college, excuse me. We were season ticket holders. But that one was a heartbreaker and probably number two on my list just because I was in attendance. How do you lose 26-24 without giving up an offensive touchdown? Well, uh, I mean, they didn't, other than extra points, they didn't give up an offensive point until the until Mike Lansford's field goal in the last play of the game. They, other right. than, and the extra points are technically team. not offensive points. So, I mean, they did not give up an offensive point until the last play of the game. And that's technically special teams. Yeah, right. God, dude. Again, a safety, two interception returns, uh, one punt return, and a field goal. Sickening. That sucks. 
Who anyway, knows? I, I, you got me racking my brain. I'm like, how many games have I been in attendance and we've left broken hearted? Somebody, the Hail Marys are kind of like distant memories now because of some of the other heartbreaking losses. But there's plenty. You're going you, to have to expand this list to like 15 or 20, given the oh, same. Oh yeah, it's going to be more than that. We haven't even really got going good yet. But we'll 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 um we'll discuss what we got so far and and uh, educate people on those games from what from you know the 80s and 70s uh, in the next segment. God bless, brother. Hang in there. Yeah, the man can't even remember Mike Lansford's name anymore. Joey's getting old. See now. When if when I get to the point, which is probably pretty close, I get to the point where I don't remember Mike Lansford's name. My youngest daughter says, uh no, she ain't she, she ain't putting up with me when I get really seen. I don't know. That ain't gonna happen. Not to watch her because she's wanting to pull the plug. Yeah, she 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 you got to go. Not putting up with total senility. Unfortunately, it's already partial. All right, so let's take a timeout. When we come back, I'll run down the list we've got so far and fill in the blanks. So for those who were not around then, who may need to get a little bit more of the history and the circumstances behind them, we'll do that next on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Download the free The Game mobile app for Android and Apple devices. No matter where you are in the country, you can listen to The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on The Game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station, your home for the LSU Tigers. And the Houston Astros, a week from now, Raymond and Matt will be in Atlanta for SEC Media Days. Yes, the, one old, the game 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. I don't know if they've started packing yet, but we'll be packing their bags real soon, heading to Atlanta for SEC Media Days. There will be live coverage, all brought to you by Borderline Furniture. Uh, every day, Raymond will be doing reports from Atlanta every day on the Footnotes program here. And then on Jordy's program, Matt from Miguez and Mesh will be doing report live reports from Atlanta. SEC Media Days. Col- college well, football has begun. College football, for this area anyway, will unofficially begin at SEC Media Days next week. Sunbelt Media Days will be the following week, and we'll be there as well. All right, let's go to the game hotline and talk to Paul. Hello. Morning, Foot. How's it going? Oh, how are you, sir? Oh, hanging in there, taking it one day at a time, trying to get back on my feet. Foot I over understand. Day, you know? Yes, sir. Ooh, Lord Jesus. Stay away from people. <laughs> Foot, I want to add, Y'all keep forgetting the game. Everybody forget the game. I'll never forget. The NFC Conference Championship, the Saints against the Bears, we were cheated. That was not a fumble. It yeah, I don't I don't think fumble. it was a fumble either. I agree with you, but 
Yes. We supposed to go to that Super Bowl. That was Sean Payton's first year and Breeze's first year with us. How many coaches and quarterbacks go to a team and in their first year go that far into the playoffs and right there it's supposed to be in the Super Bowl? That was not a fumble. And that was one of the best teams the Saints had to say they got together within one year and went that far. And they didn't have a lot of, you know, we didn't have an elite team. You know, we just had some a bunch of role players that, you know, just put together. So I just want to leave you with that one foot. And last but not least, stay away from Red Sox fans. Okay. Have a good one. Okay. Have Take a good care. One <laughs> well, the Red Sox got beat last night. The Rays, who got swept over the weekend by the Reds. <clears throat> Red Sox won those two big games against the Yankees, and they went to Tampa and gave up, what, 10 or 11 runs. So we'll see how that series goes. The Rays are obviously – not in a good position. They lost their best player, Wander Franco, out for about two weeks. I mean, two months with a hand injury. Uh, and so, not good. And so, if you're a Mariner fan or a White Sox fan or a Guardian fan, you know, you're looking at the big, bad American League ESPN division. And you've got... A Rays team who's now who had been without their best player, he comes back and he's hurt again. They can't seem to stay healthy or score runs consistently. And then you got a Red Sox team who doesn't have any starting pitchers. They're all hurt. Looks like there's a pretty big opening there for a couple spots. And so, um, and you know, with seventy something games left to play, so. Hmm, the outlook looks very different in the American League than it did from most people's perception uh, a month ago. So we'll see how that plays out. All right, getting back to our summer project. So far, here are the nominations we have. And again, we've got a couple that were mentioned um, either on or off the air to me um, overall in the NFL. Well, let's do those first. Um, we got Cowboy fan called and said when Romo blew the snap against Seattle in the playoff game, then we've got the drive and the fumble. Speaking of the drive and the fumble, kind of interesting. The news broke yesterday that Condoleezza Rice is now a minority owner of the Denver Broncos. I mean, the Broncos got Walmart. They got um, what's the the brain cramp talking about senility? The uh, coffee place with the little um, they've got um, they've got all they've got a a very unique ownership group. Starbucks. I saw the original Starbucks when we went to Asia with the little mystical woman on the logo. Not a fan of that, but anyway, I did see the original where the the original Starbucks it, it, when when we went to Asia, but uh, but no, but she grew up a Browns fan, Condoleezza Rice, and now 
It's just kind of strange how an old – and then she stopped being a Browns fan when they, you know, did the big switch, and, you know, that was awful, uh, and that's understandable. But it's kind of ironic that an old-school Browns fan can now be a minority owner of the Broncos after the drive and the fumble. And for those who don't know what that was, in in back-to-back years in the AFC Championship game in the late 80s, the Browns looked like they were heading to the Super Bowl. And both games were in Denver. No, 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 no. The, the drive was in Cleveland. The fumble was in Denver. And it looked like they had a beat. Elway drove down the field, kicked a field goal to tie it, and then they he hit Mark Jackson on a slant, and, and they won the game in overtime. And then the next year, they play again, it's in Denver, and it looks like they have the game won. And Ernest Biners looked like he's going in for a touchdown. Jeremiah Castile forces a fumble. They, they, the Broncos recovered inside the five, and again the Bron- the Browns are heartbroken and 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 just can't. You want to talk about a man who's had some agonizing losses as Marty Schottenheimer. Uh, you know those two. And then later on, later in his career, he's coaching the the Chargers, and there's you know NFL films or whatever they've got. His, he if you if you get a turnover, just go down. He told him, go down, don't run with the football. So they're playing the Patriots at home in a playoff game. I don't know what year this is, 04, 05, 06, somewhere in that era. And they pick off a pass, and it, and basically they've got the game won. And did, he, and did the guy listen to the coach? No. He's, he tries to return the interception, and, and he fumbles the football. Patriots get the ball back. They go in and win the game. Unbelievable. Speaking of the Patriots. Have you ever seen the 30 for 30 with Charles Woodson and Tom Brady? Like, I don't like either one because I don't like either team. But um, that was, I I saw a little bit of that last night. It was kind of funny, actually. Um, It was kind of funny. And it was, that is, you know, it's a Stalin-Hitler situation. Um, Well, at least a Mussolini-Stalin situation uh, with those two teams playing. But, the the irony of those two teams is the history. You know, I can remember, and I and I I, I remember the date specifically, but for a different for a personal reason. But December eighth, nineteen seventy six, December eighteenth, nineteen seventy six, the Patriots were playing the Raiders, and back then the Patriots were the little team that no one cared about, and the, it was the big bad Raiders, you know, steamrolling everyone. And the Raiders cheated in that game to beat the Patriots. And so, and then, of course, there's the whole Jack Tatum, you know, laying out Daryl Stingley and paralyzing him. And then you fast forward to the Tuck Rule game. Here you have the same two franchises decades later, and uh, and then in that one, it looked like the the Patriots cheated the the Raiders to kind of pay back it, it in the playoffs. So 
Um, and and the one the way they cheated in um, in back in in that '76 game was they had him stopped. It was third and long, and um, I had a pass rush and looked like. He was, you know, incomplete pass. It was going to be fourth in a, a long way. And um, they called roughing the passer on a ball way before the rushing, roughing the passer. Any, 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 it wasn't late, but he kind of hit him high. And back then you could do all kind of stuff to the quarterback. And so it was way out of character from the from the way that quarterbacks were treated back then. And of course, they gave them a first and goal, and they went in and scored and won the game. So it was um, the Patriots were furious, obviously, uh, in that game. So it was just ironic. But the other um, the other non Saints game that was talked about was the twenty eight three game, and obviously for Falcon fans, that will remain the most heartbreaking loss. Ever now, getting back to the list for the Saints, we've got obviously the 2018 NFC Championship game when the Saints got cheated against the Rams. Got I, I think the worst one is the 2011 um, second round playoff game at the Cheaters. I you know, no doubt in my mind, the Saints had the best team in football that year, but they didn't win. Uh, in 2009, they didn't have the best team in football. They won the Super Bowl. That stuff happens. Doesn't mean it's not heartbreaking. And in 2011, um, you know, there's just no, I mean, there's no doubt in my mind they would have come home and they won the game and beaten the, the little midgets. They had thrashed them in the regular season and the midgets didn't really match up with them. Um, I, um, you know, sickening. Absolutely sickening. But uh, I, and because of who it was and where it was and how it happened and, that that's the only year that I'm just absolutely convinced that the Saints had the best team in the NFL. And again, we're not I try to remind myself and y'all all the time. In all these seasons that we play, we're not trying to determine who the best team is. We don't know who the best team is most of the time. Um, uh, we're trying to determine who gets the trophy. And that's not always the same thing. I mean, I think the Astros were the best team in baseball last year, but they didn't win the trophy. As you know, the Patriots, the year they tried to fight history and the midgets, they were the best team in football that year, but they didn't win the trophy. We're not trying to determine who the best team is, We're trying to determine who wins the trophy. <clears throat> I'd rather win the trophy than be the best team. Um, then we've got that 91 playoff loss to, to the Falcons. One, it happened, it was the Falcons. And two, what happened, to refresh your memory on that, it was 1991, the Saints won the division championship for the first time ever, only because Fred Silva cheated the Saints out of a um, out of a division title in 1988, to Joey's point earlier, that 13-12 to loss to the Midgets on a Sunday night game in the Superdome. Had, the Saints were running out the clock. It's, they got nine yards on first down. All they got to do is get one first down. They're going in victory formation. The game is over. They call a second and one dive play to the fullback. Quick handoff. He just dives into the middle for one yard. Got the first down. Game over. Out of the blue, Fred Silver throws a flag. He's the white hat behind the plate. Throws the flag holding on a second and one dive play to the fullback. 
I mean, has that ever even been called in the history of football before? He calls holding. They back him up. They force the punt. They go down, kick a field goal on the last play and beat the Saints 13-12. to So it shouldn't have been the Saints' first division title in 91 because they got cheated in 88. But um, in 91 it was. The problem was down the stretch, and here's where my – it's all about cornerback play, and you got to have cornerback play, and you got to have depth at cornerback. Began in 1991. The Saints lost three of their top four cornerbacks. They had to pick up Mark X Packer, Mark Lee off the street to play a playoff game against Michael Haynes, who was his deep receiver, fast deep receiver from New Orleans, played for the Falcons. And of course, Mark Lee got burned a couple times. Uh, with the Saints' lack of depth at, at cornerback because of a rash of injuries, and they ended up losing the game. I want to say it was 27-20, lost by a touchdown. It was sickening. And then the next year, we talked about that, the Eagles' loss uh, in the playoffs after a double-digit lead at halftime. All right, let's do this. Before I finish off the list, we will uh, take a timeout. And again, you want to talk baseball, certainly feel free to do that. If you want to add to our list, certainly feel free to do that. Yesterday, we talked about the NFC and who, who made the playoffs last year, who likely may not make the playoffs this year. We'll talk about the AFC version of that probably in the next hour, but if you want to call and comment on that, certainly feel free to do so. Again, we'll be back on footnotes on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Are you fluent in Footlish? Not to worry. We're here to help with the Footlish Dictionary. Benedict Arnold's. Benedict Arnold's. Now, an NFL expansion team that stole a bunch of Saints players and coaches when first created, also known as the Carolina Panthers. Now, back to the man with his very own language. Kevin Foote and Footnotes. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. You're home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. The game hotline is 706-0111. 706-0111. Want to remind you, we would like for you to win an Apple Watch. One of the game, 1037 Lafayette, 104. One Lake Charles wants to hook you up with this Apple Watch, and all you have to do is join the brand new text club. Text GAME to 337-288-8100. Text GAME to 288-8100. You will become eligible to win an Apple Watch as well as a ton of other great prizes, including Astro tickets. It's the GAME text club. Find out more. By going to 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. All right, before we went to our, took our last time out, we were going down the list of nominations for all-time Saints heartbreaking losses. Uh, and we finished with the Eagles. Jay brought up the Bengals loss. That whole finish to the 0-2 season. Saints started out 6-1 and lost their last three games of the year um, to the Vikings. It was like 
33 to 32 or something like that. The Vikings scored at the very end of the game, went for two with Dante Culpepper, and he, he ran it in and got the two-point conversion and beat the Saints by a point. And then they went to Cincinnati, lost the game. It was something like 10 to 6. I mean, it was just awful. It was just a horrendous performance. And it was heartbreaking. that. And then they lost to the Arnolds but, to finish out the season. But it was heartbreaking because they had gotten off to such an exciting start and they weren't able to finish it. But that game was just more – I mean, they didn't even play well enough. I mean, they were they played a, against a bad football team, and they played worse. And it was just – that team was just not together at the end. Also, we've got the famous Miss Extra Point in Jacksonville after converting one of these, you know, where you throw it backwards and throw it backwards and throw it backwards, and it's like, you know, it's, it's almost – it's really – it's really more far-fetched than a Hail Mary. Like a Hail Mary is hard to get, but you got a bunch of group, and sometimes they catch, you catch the football. But this is throwing it from back and forth and back and forth, and it actually worked. And at the time, for context, the Saints would have had a chance. To, they were still had a chance to make the playoffs. They would have needed, I forget who, but someone else would have had to win. But they needed to win. That game eliminated them from playoff contention. And it looked like they might pull out this miracle win. And they they get that, whatever you call it, I mean, they, you know, mute, you know, it's crazy. Pass back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, and Payton scores, and they missed the extra point. I mean, that was that was really bad. Uh, Joey brought up the 83 Lansford game. If the Saints won that game, it would have been their first winning season ever. It would have been their first playoff appearance ever. And they should have been in the playoffs in 78, and we're getting to that next. But in 83, um, they were right there. They had blown some games earlier that year. They lost the game, uh, primetime game to the Jets on a Kurt Spring 76-yard punt return for a touchdown to beat him 31-28. That was a sickening loss, sickening. That's another one that we could probably put on this list. If they won that game, they would might have already had it clinched. But the, because of that, blowing that game, they needed to beat the Rams. They completely dominated the line of scrimmage in the game, got beat on punt returns and interception returns for touchdowns, 26-24. Uh, I don't know. If that's not number one, it's number two uh, in my mind. That was, you know, that's kind of like your first, you know, to, you know, like your first kiss or your first love. I mean, that was, well, actually, that was the second. The first chance was in 78, which we'll get to next. <clears throat> that was a Hail Mary. They call it Big Ben. Um, but, you know, I was watching a replay of a football game the other day. I forget which one was it. Or someone was talking about a football game, and 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 it brought me back to this game. And it was it was a game. Oh, that's what it was. We were talking about on high school football week about how you know there was some block we, the 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 Westminster Mamu game where they blocked the field goal and ran it back for a touchdown, and the uh, Turlings. Lauraville game where Lauraville blocked the field goal running back for a touchdown. Well, that was a little different because that was like a 
a virtual extra point. That was a really short field goal. But one of the reasons why you don't, I think Bum went for it. What happened was they weren't, it was like fourth and short from their own like um, 40 yard line. So instead of punting, he went for it. And I'm sure what he's thinking, man, if we get back and punt, they could return the punt for a touchdown. Or they could block the punt and return it for a touchdown. And so he he was trying to eliminate those two bad things. And if he got it, then the game they're going on a knee and the game's over anyway. So because he was on the plus side of the field, he went for it and they missed it. So they had it at like their own 40 or, I mean, at their own like 40 or 41, and then he throws the Hail Mary, and, 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 they, and they get it. I mean, it's just sickening. So two, the way the story goes, two weeks later, they're in Atlanta. Saints uh, outplayed him again, should have won the game. The officials, they, they get an interception in the end zone that's going to clinch it. The officials call this bogus pass interference call, first and goal with the one. They hit the tight end. And they and they beat the Saints twenty to seventeen by the exact same score that they had beat them two weeks before on this Hail Mary play, which they call Big Ben, but it's a Hail Mary. So, who? What does the NFL do in the season opener in nineteen seventy nine? They match up the Saints with the Falcons. So what happens? The Saints outplay them, but they don't put them away. They go to overtime. They, it's a high snap on a punt. They, he tried, the punter, Erksleben, tries to throw it up. James Mayberry catches it, runs in for a touchdown. Beats the Saints 40 to 34 in overtime, which is double the score of the two 20 to 17 losses earlier. I mean, in the previous season. It's like you can't even make that stuff up. I mean, it was just, that was total agony and heartbreak. I was, what, 12 and 13 years old when that happened. That was awful. Uh, So, I don't know. We might have to cheat and combine those. That little trilogy of games is just as heartbreaking and frustrating as it gets. All right, other nominations. We got a Minneapolis Miracle to Jared Cook fumble. The Browns Hail Mary, which I had to back up. I was on the sideline, so I didn't get collided with as they're catching that ball. The 13 to 12 cheat job by Fred Silva in 88. And then uh, Paul brought up the NFC title game loss to the to the Bears. All right, we will take a timeout. Come back, finish out the first hour. A footnotes on the game: one hundred three seven Lafayette, one hundred four one Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Wow, hadn't heard that one in a while. Welcome back to Footnotes. To the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. And speaking of the Astros, we want to remind you about Astro Giveaway 3. On Saturday, July 30th, Astros will be playing the Seattle Mariners if you would like to win four tickets to that game a tour of Minute Maid Park, and hotel accommodations that Saturday evening. You All you need to do is join the game clubhouse, and you might win 
Great Astro Getaway number three, Mariners, Saturday, July the 30th. Astro Weekend Getaways powered by Butcher Air Conditioning, La Meridian, Houston, downtown, and the game, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. So, we uh, Astros tonight, 838 first pitch. You can hear the game right here on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Astros, according to what was tweeted out yesterday are kind of moving um, um, Framber up into the in, in, to, to pitching Thursday. I don't know if that's an all-star game move or it's a continued kind of let's, you know, keep the workload off of Justin Verlander as much as you can move or some sort of combination of both. Because if he pitches Thursday, theoretically, he could certainly pitch an inning or two if they need it in the All-Star game in his first All-Star game appearance on Tuesday. So that would that might have a little bit to do with it. I don't know. So, But anyway, he pitched great on Saturday but did not get the win. So he'll get four days rest and – uh, and he'll be pitching on Thursday, and I'm assuming that means Verlander will be pitching Friday's game in the week in the home weekend series against uh, the A's going into the All Star break. So we'll see how that plays out as the Astros kind of manipulate their pitching rotation to keep everybody as fresh as possible. So we'll see how how that plays out. I mean, as long as they hit. They should be okay. The problem is no El Perro for these for these neck for these six games and no um no Brantley. So you're you're missing your two best left handed hitters. All right, that'll do it for the first hour. Another hour to follow on this Tuesday of footnotes on the game. One oh three seven Lafayette, one oh four one Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. You can watch us on the Simulcast Stadium 32.3 or 133 on LUS Fiber. The game hotline is 706-0111. 706-0111. If you want to talk about any heartbreaking games um, for the NFL overall or the Saints specific, if you want to talk about Major League Baseball, especially if you're a Mets or a Braves fan, we had that week or so where the Astros were playing the Yankees and the Mets talked about it quite a bit so now it's the the Braves and the Mets and last night if you didn't hear Scherzer and the Mets won the first game four to one so we'll see what happens in game two tonight the other thing that I want to get to we're going to talk about shortly is we talked we primarily talked about the NFC yesterday and I want to kind of shift gears to the AFC which on paper is way more interesting if you take out team loyalty like 
you know, the most interesting game to me every week is who the Saints play. It doesn't matter who they're playing or what the thing, what the records are. But if you take out your own team loyalty and just try to be objective about it, I mean, the NFC is nowhere near as interesting as the AFC going into this season. I kind of like it that way. But before we do that, let's go to the game hotline. Hello. Hey, Kevin. Howdy, sir. Hey, uh, you mostly brought up a lot of the losses that I would talk about. But one I would bring up, it's uh, more recent, is that one against the 49ers when uh, it was hard to, when they couldn't bring down uh, George Kittle. Yeah, in, uh, 2019. in 2019, 48-46 loss to the Cheaters, and there were some critical holding calls that were made in that game. But, uh, but yeah, because of that game, the Saints were not did yeah, not have the number one seed with a 13-3 and right. record. And if they had won that game instead of losing it, uh, who knows? They might have been to the suit. Who knows what would have happened? They would have had the number one seed instead. Right. And we definitely needed the yeah. bye, too. So. They needed the bye for sure. So, yeah, it was – and then that playoff loss to the Vikings. I got to tell you, that playoff loss to the Vikings, um, the Saints got cheated so bad that it was the worst they had ever been cheated, in my opinion, ever in the history of the Saints and that season. And that was the darkest place I'd ever been. You know, I don't know how you categorize that with heartbreak or whatever, probably. why That Viking loss – was the darkest place I've ever been as a Saints fan. And and that includes the, the 18 championship. That that Viking loss was the worst. Yeah. It definitely seemed like the referees had a vendetta. Oh, that yeah. That, I mean, they, they cheated the Saints all year that year. It was unbelievable. Never have the Saints been cheated that bad before, ever. Yeah. yeah it was pitiful, especially that push-off at the end. I just, you just... Well, it was just a fitting ending to that whole season. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Okay. Thank you for the call, sir. No, that's one that people forget. It was a crazy game. You know, it's so funny because so much of our opinions about things have come from our 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 teams through the eyes of our team. For instance, I talk about it all the time. Everybody tells me how great Mike Trout is. I've been in Mike Trout's division his whole career for the most part, with the exception of maybe a couple years. And Mike Trout's never really done anything to the Astros. Like, so I acknowledge that he's done all, put up all these numbers, but it's very difficult for me to talk about how great he is because the Astros always seem to get him out when they need to get him out. And um, he, his all-time record against uh, batting average and, and numbers, OPS and all that against the Astros is not good. So it's hard. So when people talk about how bad Jimmy Garoppolo is, I always think about that 48-46 loss to him where the Saints couldn't stop him. And then when they talk about, and look, the cheaters do play great defense. But in that game, there was no defense. Now, they did some holding that they didn't get called for, and the Saints did get called for in that game. Um, But... Uh, that was critical. Now, to the officials' credit, to a point we were making yesterday, late in that game, they they gave the Saints a call. And I don't know if that one call made up for the three bad calls, but it at least helped. 
it at least kind of made up for some of of the of I thought at that to that point the, it was a very one sided officiated game, and uh, the the Saints got a call at the end of that game that gave them a chance to still win. Um, and I don't again I don't know if if one equals three, but it was um, it at least you know added a little more fairness to the to the game and the point we were making yesterday and this is an argument that we can have nonstop like the purpose of officiating in my mind the purpose of officiating is to ensure fair play other people disagree with that they think that the purpose of officiating is to enforce the rule book um I disagree. I think a great official ensures fair play. Now, he uses the rule book as the primary mechanism to achieve that end, but I don't think that's the number one goal. I think the number one, for instance, if you're a basketball official and and, and if you think the goal isn't to achieve fair play and it's to um, enforce the rule book, well, no one will ever, there won't be any players left. Everything's a foul. Technically, like every time you push or shove on someone, it's a foul. Like if they, if a basketball official just enforced the rule book, all the players would fall out. We wouldn't have any players left to play the game. So I think basketball is the primary example of why I, I think I'm totally right on this subject, that the purpose of officiating is not to enforce the rule book. That's why... And this is a problem that I've had for decades with analysts and fans, you know, arguing on the air and things like that is just because a call is technically right according to the rule book does not mean it wasn't a good call. It does not mean you weren't cheating because it's all about fair play. It's not about the interpretation and the enforcement of the rule book, in my opinion. Uh, A lot of people disagree with that, and it's a free country. You can be wrong all you want, but I'm totally convinced that I'm right on that subject. Um, and anyway, that that game, uh, yeah, that's a that's a good game that that David brought up. Very heartbreaking, and who knows could who knows what would have happened towards the end of that game had it not had at the end of that season had the Saints had that bye, not had to play the Vikings. Man, the Vikings! Don't you just hate the Vikings? I mean, the Minneapolis Miracle, all them beatdowns they gave the Saints in the late 80s, including their first ever playoff win and, um, I mean, playoff game, not win. And then when the Saints did win their first playoff game, who did they play next? The Vikings with a, with a bunch of injured players, and they got beat up again. I mean, man, don't you just hate the Minnesota Vikings? It's just awful. All right, let's go back to the game hotline. Hello. Hey, Kev. Howdy. It's, it's Neil. How are you? And uh, huh? How are you doing? I'm doing fine, but I got a couple things for you. Okay. You talking? You talking anti-Vikings? Well, let's give the Vikings credit for getting robbed back in '75 or '76 when Drew Pearson pushed off and caught the hell married to 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 knock the Vikings out of the playoffs and put the cowgirls in as an as a, as a heartbreaker. Oh, absolutely, yes. But. You're going to love this. I got to know Ray Francis 
Wallace Francis's son when he was teaching and coaching down in St. Mary Parish. Uh-huh. Because Wallace, Wallace Franklin, Wallace uh, Francis from Franklin. And he told me that when you go into the Atlanta Falcons office in the lobby, there's a big blown-up photo of Big Ben left the touchdown catch. Oh, I believe that. Yes, I believe <laughs> that. Just, yes, they just they, they and 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 a couple people I know was like, well, yeah, that that sounds like the Falcons. The one the one thing they'll celebrate that went over the sink. <laughs> <laughs> yes, absolutely. And yeah. and and one other heartbreak, and I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna shift gears on you a little bit. Forty one years ago. And this is me. This is this is you know Rick Mundy hitting a home run in Game Five of the 1981 NLCS to beat my beloved Expos. Yes. 41 years later, I still hate Rick Mundy. Uh, yes. Oh, I, I'm with you there. In fact, I think I might have mentioned that in passing, but it wasn't officially one of the suggestions for Major League Baseball Week. But it should have been absolutely yes. God, I cried for like two years. Yeah, that was that. I, I get that anyway. one. Yes, off of Steve Rogers. Yep. Anyway, I thought you'd appreciate the the, the Falcons. Big no, that, photo that's a thing, good one. So. And you know, and you know what? You you mentioned the Hail Mary and in um uh, the Hail Mary play with Drew Pearson, which I grew up hating Fran Tarkin, and so I, I thought that was great. But in '98, the Vikings were really good and should have went to the Super Bowl. And and when Gary Anderson missed the kick, and the Falcons yep. beat him in the NFC Championship game. For a Viking fan, I would think that's probably really high on the, on the list of heartbreaking losses. Well, I, t- t- I tell you what, and every so often I go on YouTube and look at it, it's the Vikings radio call when Brett Favre throws the interception to Tracy Porter. Oh, it's great. It's tremendous. <laughs> oh, yes. If you're a Saints fan and you need to feel good, that, that'll make you feel good. Yes, sir. Oh, it does. It does. Anyway, I just wanted to bring that up. I appreciate it. Thank so, you, Neil. All right, man. Talk to you later. No, those are some good ones. And, um, no, you know, and I've heard the argument made, and it's probably well made, that the biggest loser – of when the Falcons upset the Vikings was NFL fans because that was going to be, man, that might have been the best Super Bowl ever. Like that, those Den- that Denver team was really good. That Viking team was really good. That that might have been NFL fans might have been robbed of the best Super Bowl ever. In terms of just a matchup of two just juggernaut teams. You know, usually, especially, you know, in the 20 years before that game, you know, the NFC dominated. And, and most of the Super Bowls were largely mismatches. Now, there were a few good games here and there, but the two teams weren't like, you know, two just total juggernauts. I mean, that on paper, that might have been the best Super Bowl matchup that never was because the Falcons – upset the Vikings in Minnesota in an NFC championship game. And, um, of course, that was a huge day for me. I've told that story before. I always believed the Saints could go to the Super Bowl. But the day that the Falcons went to the Super Bowl, I knew the Saints could go to the Super Bowl. Uh, that was uh, That was a big moment for me as a Saints fan to watch the Falcons go to the Super Bowl because in my mind, and I still believe that the Saints and the Falcons are 
essentially the same franchise. Now, the Saints have been better of, of for the last, you know, 10 or 15 years, no question, but essentially they're the same franchise. And I knew the Saints could go to the Super Bowl when the Falcons did. So that was a big moment for me as a, as a Saints fan. It took a little longer than I thought, but it finally happened. All right, let's go back to the game hotline. Hello. Kevin. Howdy. Gene Nora. How are you, sir? 1972. I can't believe nobody brought up the Immaculate Reception yet. Well, you're right. Um, that was, that was uh, you know, Raider fans still are just totally angry about that. Being a Steeler fan, I'm still loving it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, it's amazing. I if you if you go back to a lot of the supposed dynasties in the NFL, how many of them started out on like crazy plays or fluky plays or or controversial calls? You had that. You had the the um, the Hail Mary that Neil was just talking about. You had the throwaway. I call it when uh, Montana was throwing the ball into the stands and Dwight Clark jump up and caught it and beat the Cowboys. Talk about heartbreaking losses. That's another one. Then you had How about the, the tuck rule. You had the tuck rule that kind of vaulted the the Patriots into theirs. No, it's it's crazy. And then the macular reception might have been the craziest of all of them. I think it still is. Yeah, oh, that was crazy. No, that's a great suggestion. Thank you for the call, all sir. Right. Thank you. Okay, all right. Uh-huh, <clears throat> no, it's just you know you see it. I remember I wasn't watching the game. But I can remember watching replays of that game and thinking, this isn't real. Like, it's not real. Like, that play didn't really happen. That was like some sort of um, TV version of, you know, like manipulating the photo. I mean, it's just, it's like no way that really happened. That might be the biggest heartbreak of all time, the Immaculate Reception. So that's a great suggestion there by gene it's only tuesday so we still got all week to do it but no that we you know we talked mostly saints but in terms of some of the biggest ones um you know the vikings have had a lot of heartache in the nfc championship game for the vikings the vikings have tortured the saints but on the flip side they've really been the victim of a lot of heartache and we've uh we've covered quite a bit of that ground so far today. All right, let's take a time out. We'll come back and we never got to the AFC. We'll we'll try to do that in this next segment on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Time to open up the vault for the games this day in sports history. July 12th, 1970. Jack Nicklaus beats Doug Sanders by one stroke at St. Andrews in the Open Championship's first 18-hole playoff. That was this day in sports history. We now return to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. It varies here and there, depending on the year. But 
the last figure I saw was like 47%. So just under 50% of the time, um, there is pretty big turnover uh, between 5 and 16, roughly about 47% or about five and a half teams a year don't that made the playoffs this year don't make the playoffs the next year uh the to refresh your memory the AFC teams that made the playoffs last year were the Titans the Chiefs the Bills the Bengals the Raiders the Patriots and the Steelers so I think the two most popular suggestions around the country would be, okay, well, the Steelers and the Patriots aren't making the playoffs. Uh, and that's very possible. I mean, the Patriot, the Steelers shouldn't have made it last year, but they did. Now, I think the Steelers are going to be better than they were last year because, again, Ben Roethlisberger was terrible last season. I mean, terrible. As as um, as Charles Barkley would say, terrible. And they still made the playoffs. So I think the Steelers are going to be better, but I think overall the AFC as a whole is going to be better. Patriots, I don't know what to think. I, I, I think their division uh, is going to be better. I think the Jets will be better. How much better we'll see. I think the Dolphins will be better. How much better we'll see. So I think winning games in that division is going to be a little tougher this year than it's been uh, maybe in, you know, two and a half decades. But so I certainly think the Patriots are a team to consider and the Steelers are a team to consider. I think, and this is going to be a very unpopular opinion in this area, I think the Bengals or a strong team to consider. I talk about medicine seasons a lot. And one of the, there are several ways that are reasons or ways or things that go into a medicine season. And one of the, one of the main things that go into a medicine season is when you have, you come out of nowhere and have a great season and then you got to play a first-place schedule. Now, there are other things that go into it as well, but you're no longer, like, you're no, you become the hunt. You go from the hunter to the hunted. That's a totally different role, very different. And not everybody handles that well. But one of the biggest things is you start playing a first-place schedule. And uh, I look at the Bengals' schedule. It would not shock me if they had a losing season. Now, you know, they might have to get an injury or two for that to happen. But usually in medicine seasons, that happens. Um, and, uh, you know, I remember when it came out in, well, beginning of May, I said the Bengals better win that week two game at Dallas. They open up with Pittsburgh, which is a division game. Who knows what's going to happen in that game. But they in week two, they play at Dallas, which is winnable but also losable. They better win it. Because uh, their next couple games are fairly easy, but then they go 
add the Ravens, add the Saints, add the Browns, add the Steelers, add the Titans, the Chiefs, add the Buccaneers, add the Patriots, the Bills, the Ravens. I mean, there's no easy games. Now, they're not going to lose all these games, but won't shock me if they lose a lot, half of them or most of them. Uh, brutal schedule. And so I think, I, I really think the Bengals are a prime team that made the playoffs last year that uh, won't make the playoffs this year. We'll see. Let's go to the game hotline. Hello. Uh, anyone mentioned Scott Norwood? No one has. That is a great one. Um, yes. And the poor Buffalo Bills are still um, feeling the effects of that. Yes. What about the Browns? The, uh, yeah, we did yeah, the drive and the fumble. Yes, sir. Yeah, did that. Yeah, we discussed that earlier. Yes, sir. Um, about the uh, Cowboys versus the uh, Packers, Dez uh, Bryant. Oh yes, that is a good one, and I, I agree with the Cowboys on that one. I, I think they got the shaft on that call. I don't remember what year that was, but, yeah, I certainly remember the game. Yeah, that was – um, I agree. I think the Cowboys should have won that game. That was definitely a heartbreaking loss. And uh, speaking of those two going way back, the Ice Bowl was a heartbreaking loss. Of course, they were probably too freezing cold to, you know, for the hey, heart to be melting. What uh, the Saints 4 season? I know they won the last four games that year. Um, were there any heartbreaking losses to you in that that season? Like any that stands out? I'm, I'm, I, that Monday, I mean Monday, that Sunday night game against the Vikings. I think it was a Sunday night game, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it was. Um, that was when um, Cole Pepper hit Moss in the back. Man, I, that that play was just. I mean, they were so. Good. Did y'all talk about that game? I hear I hear y'all talk about the Vikings and. <clears throat> No, we did not talk about that game. That game, I think they were just better. I mean, I, you know, I guess you could say it's heartbreaking, but I, I think that you know they were just the Saints secondary just couldn't compete with them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I'm gonna try to. I'm looking up that season. None come to mind um, immediately, but I'm I'm looking up that season to see if um, as far hey, hey, as you know heartbreaking what? losses. I was thinking, and I was like, this, it's not so much a heartbreaking loss, man. Just so how everything turned out. And I understand. Uh, remember the, you remember the Katrina year, that that Monday night game against the Giants? When the Saints had to play the Giants in New York. That, that was. Yes. I don't know. I know, I know. That was just, just kind of off. That was angry. Game. Yes. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm, trying to, I'm still thinking, man. But look, you have a good one. That, All right. Um, Thank you for the hello. call. Um, okay. well, that's it. Thank you. All right. Hey, thank no, you. hello, hello, hello. Uh -huh. What about that game against the Bears in the playoffs? What's your take on that? In 1990. Well, that was, you know, 1990. It was a low-scoring defensive game, and the Saints blocked a field goal. Vince Buck ran it back for a touchdown, and they called him for lining up in the neutral zone. And again, I, I've said for years, Richard Dent had a, played a whole career lining up in the neutral zone. So yeah, I thought that was much. I was a slap in the face game. Who knows if they'd have won? But that would. I'm pretty sure that would have tied it up or made it brought them within a field goal. Uh, and there was still a lot of time. So 
lot of lot of frustration in that one. But yeah, that wasn't I mean, a great Saints team. I mean, Abraham would have played that year. Well, yeah, I think it would have been totally different, and I still hold that against Jim Finks. Yes, I think Jim Finks sold the Saints down the river, but how he how he negotiated with Abraham. That's crazy. We, I'm sorry, man. I'm just thinking about that 87 season, the Redskins, a game against the Vikings late. Of course, the Vikings beat the Saints uh, in the uh, first round. I think they beat the 49 But when they beat the Redskins, I'm sorry, when they lost to the Redskins uh, late, that game came down to the uh, Yes. Well, but that was that that was the product of three straight weeks on the road going from the Gulf of Mexico to the Pacific, then traveling to to the Atlantic. And I I I think there's no question they were better than the Redskins. But when you when you play three road games in a row and you're doing a lot of traveling, that third week can get you a lot of times. I think that's what happened in that game. They were. They were like clearly said, I'm, better. I'm, than the I'm, just, I'm sorry, man. I keep trying to hang up. And I keep thinking of stuff off the top of my head. So I'm going to stop aggravating you. All right. That's okay. Thing. That's okay. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. And I was going to wait till tomorrow, but since he brought up the 1990 season, I don't know because it's more maybe just personal for me, but the, the opening game of the 1990 season. Uh, was one of the more frustrating losses for me as a Saints fan. Saints open up Monday night game against the Cheaters, completely physically dominated the Cheaters in that game, but did not put them away because Johnny B. Bad, John 4K was the quarterback because Jim Finks played hardball with Bear, and they didn't have enough offense, uh, and the Cheaters got one draw. I mean, they hit Roger Craig so hard in that game over and over and over and over again. And um, they got one drive at the very end of the game and won the game 13-12, to 12, the exact same 13-12 to 12 score that Fred Silva cheated the Saints on and cost them a division title two years earlier. So anytime I ever see a game that's 13-12, and 12, 13 to 12 at any point in the game. I'm like, oh, I think back to those two games every time. Just that was a very frustrating loss because the Saints had totally outplayed them physically, won the physical battle the whole game. But because their offense wasn't good enough to take advantage of it, uh, they only put up 12 points and lost the game 13 to 12. Sickening. That was a sickening, sickening, sickening loss. No question. Uh, to that one. But, um, you know, the, getting back to before we get to a timeout, the Titans are another interesting team this year. I um, I don't know what to think of them. You, you, you wonder that they, they've had a good run of being good. They kind of, you know, they blew that game against the Bengals last year because they played good enough deep. Well, the truth of the matter is everybody played good enough defense to beat the Bengals in the playoffs last year. It's just that the Bengals kicked a bunch of field goals and the Bengals' defense played better than most people thought that it would. Uh, the Bing- It was the Bengals' defense that carried him to the Super Bowl. It wasn't, you know, I mean, and look, I think Joe Burrows is a great quarterback, but it wasn't the offense or the quarterback play that brought him to the Super Bowl. It was the defense. Um, and so 
No, I, I really uh, something would have to happen pretty dramatic to change my mind as far as I'm I don't I'm I'm certainly not going to be picking the Bengals to go back. But the Titans again, uh, they that the Bengal game was one that got away. They played good enough defense, forced enough field goals to win that game, and they had a what a third and one, and they got if they get both of them, I think if you, if they get to third and one on third and one or on fourth and one, I think they win the game. And uh, they're a physical run team that couldn't convert a third and one on you know in two plays. Uh, that, that you know that's got to be a long off season to think about that. So you wonder how they're going to bounce back from that mentally. Uh, you know, a lot of people starting to question the quarterback. And again, he's not elite, but I think he's good enough to win with what they've got. And um, so I, I don't know what to think of the Titans where they are. And the Chiefs are just in this brutal division. I mean, again, it literally would not surprise me anything that would happen in that division. I think the Broncos are going to be better, obviously. I think the Raiders are good. I think the Chargers are good if they could ever just get out of their own way. And obviously the Chiefs are still good. So I I don't know what's going to happen in that division. Brutal. You know, injuries tend to dictate how things play out in those scenarios, but uh, no, I, I there. I think just about every AFC team is a playoff contender, with the exception of about three of them. I mean, really, it's it's crazy how much talent is in the AFC right now, and I love it. I love it. All the, it don't matter who's the best. Remember, we're just trying to see who gets the trophy. Doesn't matter who's the best. Doesn't matter who you played. Just trying to get the trophy. All right, let's take a timeout. We'll come back on the game. Footnotes on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 104, One Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. How much does Foot despise the San Francisco 49ers? Well, you be the judge. I love turning 50 because I was no longer a 49. Back to Footnotes on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Remember, Astros open a three-game series tonight. 8.38, weird time, but that's what they say. First pitch from Anaheim against the little MVPs, and we'll see how they do. You know, the little MVPs are going to carry the American League into the All-Star game, so... Uh, we'll see. Hopefully the Astros can overachieve and beat the little MVPs tonight. Um, also, before we get to the game hotline, want to remind you, uh, the game 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles would like to hook you up with a brand new Apple Watch. All you need to do is join our new text club by simply texting game to 337-288-8100, 288 8100 text game to that number you become eligible to win an apple watch but not only an apple watch it puts your name in the hat for all kind of other great prizes like astro tickets and more it's the game text club find out more by going to 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com today all right let's go to the game hotline hello 
Hello. Kevin. Yes, sir. So you got the Patriots and the, and the Steelers what? Oh, I just said they would be two of the prime teams probably that made the playoffs last year that I think most people in the country would predict that they wouldn't make it this year. Yeah, because, be, man, think about that division, though, the, the AFC West. You got Mahomes, you got Carl, you got Wilson, you got Herbert. Man, I mean, somebody got to win that one, huh? Well, I mean, uh, the problem with tough divisions is you better do good against everybody else's division because you ain't running the table in that one. I know, you know. This is going to be tough, man. I think they're going to have two two teams out of that division that's going to miss it, you know and like you said, the Chargers always getting their own way. So, uh, so they told me they can do something. I mean, the playoffs finally with Herbert, I ain't gonna pick them. So you know, you gotta watch them and the Raiders. I don't think they're gonna make the playoffs in that division. You know what I'm saying? It's gonna be probably the Broncos and the Chiefs. Who knows? Maybe one team might make it. Who knows? You know, because they're gonna beat up on each other all year. I you mean, know? all so they had like to do. Injuries might, you know, decide that too, and what happens down the line as the season kind of progresses. You know, but. That's going to be a tough decision, man. No, it, AFC, it will. Did I hear you correctly? You say every team in the AFC is a playoff contender except for three, maybe? That's the way I look at it. Yes, sir. I mean, I think there are a lot of teams. With except hope. for three teams? I think that's the way I see it. Ooh, I, I don't know, man. I don't know. Oh, the AFC's know. tough. I, I don't think it's that many teams. I don't know. I think there are that many teams. I don't know, man. You know, it's just, most likely it'll probably be the same teams as usual, except for a few mainstays like the Steelers and stuff. The Patriots, who knows what happened with them with Mac Jones and stuff like that. Tennessee, I don't think they're gonna make the playoffs this year. You know, they might. They might all depends what their quarterback play do because the running game might be probably about the same solid defense. So all that might come down to the quarterback with them, but. I don't know. I don't see that many good teams in the AFC. I mean, I see a lot of good, you know, like teams that have a lot of talent. Same as the NFC, you know, a lot of teams have talent, but can they put it all together? What will Arizona do? Arizona been supposedly knocking on the door forever, you know, and stuff like that. What they gonna do? You know, I mean, a lot of teams have talent. You know, they got, you know, like nice roster. Detroit got a nice roster. Finally, starting to put a nice roster together. What will they do though? You know, do they have the quarterback or what? You know, so. I mean, it's a lot of good, talented teams, but I don't know, man. I don't All right. Th- th- all that depends on the officials. Oh, well, a lot of it does for sure. I appreciate the call. You know. All right, we'll talk care. to you later. No, but, like, okay, I think the Jets are improved, but I don't consider them a playoff contender yet. Jacksonville and Houston, although I'm telling you all, I think Houston's going to be a little better than people think. Um. Houston last year was supposed to be the worst team of all time. They won four games and narrowly lost three or four others. Uh, they weren't that far away from being respectable. Um, so, I, But I'll say Jacksonville, Houston, and the Jets. I mean, I think everyone else is a playoff contender. Maybe the Browns. I, I guess you could argue that. If Deshaun Watson does get suspended for the whole season like most people are expecting, I guess you could argue that the Browns would not be a playoff contender. But I think they're good enough everywhere else to where, you know, just having a mediocre quarterback 
they might still be able to compete for to win nine games or so. Now, I don't even know. You know, is nine and eight going to get you in? Probably. Maybe not every nine and eight team. Who knows? It's just guessing right now. But, um, you know, again, sometimes when you have that many good teams in a conference, you kind of beat up on each other and the records aren't all that great. Like, it wouldn't surprise me at all. I think the um, AFC is better than the NFC. But it wouldn't surprise me if the team with the best record in the NFL this year comes out of the NFC. I think that becomes kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy there. So we'll see how it plays out. But no, other than the Texans, the Jags, and the Jets, I consider everyone else in the AFC a playoff contender. Not the way. I don't I don't see that. I don't see Ray, Ray's little Washington team as a contender. I don't see the Browns. I mean, the Bears as a contender. I don't really see the Lions as a contender, although some people are trying to convince themselves out. I don't see the Falcons as a contender. The Arnolds, maybe. I can maybe see the Arnolds, and I don't see Seattle as a contender. Um, And a lot of these you're having to, in the NFC, you're having to really push it. Like, you're having to stretch it a little bit to call some of these teams, like the Lions, a contender. I mean, they were 3-13-1 last year. Um, I, I think the Vikings are, uh, as I mentioned yesterday, I think they're a team. I think the Vikings and the Giants are the two teams that weren't all that good last year, but it would not shock me if they're better this year. So we'll see. Um, we'll see how, how that plays out. But no, I, I think the AFC is way deeper than that, than the NFC, but got to play the games. And all that matters um, is, you know, how you handle your situation and, and and hopefully, hopefully the Saints can get some good breaks this year, bar they ever do some. Injured, most injured team in the history of the franchise, they had a winning season and, and all the cheaters had to do was catch a, a, a can of corn and, and the Saints are in the playoffs still and it didn't happen. So hopefully they're due some breaks this season. We can hope. Cross our fingers. That'll do it for this segment. We got one more segment left. We'll take a timeout and get to that after this timeout on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game, 1037 Lafayette 1041 Lake Charles Southwest Louisiana Sports Station your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros um I admire his skill set I'm not the biggest fan of this guy but Whit Merrifield I think it's worth mentioning his streak of 553 straight games played was broken yesterday and I, I say that to one, give him credit in today's era for playing that many games in a row, but also to show you how different things are. I mean, you know, when Cal Ripken broke the record, it was, what, 21-31, and he ended up getting another 100 or so, whatever his final total is. I'd have to look it up. But 21-30 was Lou Gehrig's streak for, you know, generations. And then um, Ripken broke that, and and – 553 is a lot in today's game. That was the longest active streak of consecutive games played. 
But um, it's hard if you have an injury and then you got a day game. Like they had a doubleheader schedule with the Tigers yesterday, the Royals. And so it's tough if you – he had a toe injury to – to play that next day and to say to extend the streak, I'd have had to play both games at a double header with this toe injury. And so, you know, sometimes as they, the old cliche is discretion is the better part of valor. So you just got to say, you know, I know this streak's important, but not that the Royals have anything to play for because they don't get to play the Astros until again, until next season and they're in last place. But but still, you 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 want to do the best you can and go into the All Star break in the best position that you can be in. So his streak ended at five fifty three, you know, roughly a quarter of the way to um, where where Ripken passed up Lou Gehrig. So it's um it's just different, you know. Today that's not so important. Uh, managers or into at all the different sports, giving guys days off, managing their workloads so they can be fresher at the end. But, you know, in the days of Lou Gehrig for sure, and even and certainly even Cal Ripken, they, they weren't thinking about managing workloads back then. I mean, you were paid to play, so you played. And now, uh, and I'm all for it. I mean, I... You know, I understand when a manager gives a guy a day off before an off day to try to give him two days off in a row and keep him as healthy as possible. I'm all for it. Just saying, for for many, 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 many years, it would the game wasn't played that way. And 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 Whit Merrifield's longest active streak of 5:53 ending yesterday is a clear illustration of that. So we'll see what the um, Mets and the Braves do and how the Astros do in the land of the little MVPs. And we'll talk about that and get back to our footnote summer project tomorrow. Y'all have a nice day.